Hey everyone, and welcome to the Growth Tribe podcast, where we're all about growing ourselves to create lives we effing love on our terms. I'm Ellen, and I'm a former biomedical researcher turned coach who fell in love with personal growth when it empowered me to transform my health, quit my PhD, travel the world, and start my own business. But don't get me wrong, I'm still figuring my shit out too, and I'm so pumped to share what I'm learning along the way. We've got amazing interviews, big stories, tips, tricks, and no bullshit action steps that we can all learn from. So with that, welcome to this episode of The Growth Tribe. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Growth Tribe podcast. We kicked off this year with some amazing interviews. We started off the year with Keisha. We followed it up last week with Taryn, and I've got another amazing interview coming at you guys this week. This week's interview is with James Burroughs. And once again, this is another person I met through Remote Year. Like, thank God for Remote Year because it's introduced me to so many amazing people with amazing insights. And this is another one. We've talked a lot at the beginning of this year about listening to that voice in your head that wants more and wants different. We talked with Taryn about how you can overcome some of the false beliefs, the limiting beliefs that might be keeping you from making some of those big life changes. And it's just kind of working out in the schedule and how the interviews landed and lined up that today with James Burroughs, we are talking about how to navigate those big life transitions, whether it's a career transition, a personal transition, whatever. There are going to be things that come up in whatever transition you're making that will threaten to derail you. Maybe it's, you know, just hanging on a little bit too tightly to the identity of whatever your current job title is, the identity of being someone who's in, you know, married and in a stable relationship, and maybe that relationship's coming to an end. You know, there's identity shifts that go through any big life change that are sometimes hard to navigate and to deal with. There are also, you know, there's the overwhelm of making a big life change. You know, what do I do next? Like, how do I even get started on this life change? We're going to talk about that. And we're going to also talk about something that is maybe the unspoken thing that a lot of us deal with when we're making big life changes, but it is definitely something that's on all of our minds. And it's ultimately, how is this change going to impact my relationships? How are the mentors that I'm potentially leaving behind at my current job, who maybe I love as people, but I just don't want to do the work anymore, how is it going to affect my relationship with them? Are they still going to respect me? Are they still going to support me? What about my family? What about my friends who I connected with through my job? You know, my current coworkers. How is this change going to affect those relationships? We tackle all of that. The importance of you know having stepping stones and giving yourself an easy transition. The importance of really digging into what the most important things in your life are so you can figure out if it is the right time to make that transition. And ultimately, how to navigate relationship changes in that transition and how to ultimately have a bit of a mindset shift on how making this big life change is going to impact your relationship. We cover all of that, and I am super, super excited for you to hear it. This was definitely one of those conversations where everything that could go wrong was trying to go wrong. We have construction noises in the background. At one point during the call, the AC kicked in and it made all sorts of noise. At another point during the call, 
something happened with James's audio and it just completely dropped out and he had to switch to his phone. But this conversation is still so raw, so real, so impactful, and there's so many great, great things you can get out of it. So we're diving in anyway. But before we jump into today's interview, I wanted to once again, shameless plug, talk about my brand new growth series video training that I've just released online. That training actually came out yesterday, but even if you didn't sign up last week, you can still jump into it. All you have to do is go to coachellen.com slash growth. Once again, that's coachellen, E-L-L-Y-N, <laughs> coachellen.com slash growth, and you will get in on my brand spanking new video series where I address the key, crucial very, very small, actually, missing pieces that a lot of us take for granted and don't address when we're setting goals, when we're making these big life changes. So once you've tackled this week's episode, highly suggest that you head on over to coachellen.com growth because these three things that I talk about in that video series are going to be even more crucial to helping you make that life change. If you couple this podcast and that video series together, oh man, are you setting yourself up for success in making whatever big life change you're trying to make. Maybe it's embracing your inner athlete finally. Maybe it's deciding, you know what, I am an author and I am gonna write that book. Maybe it's starting that new business. Maybe it's, you know, switching up your relationships a little bit. Maybe it's leaving a relationship that's no longer serving you. Whatever those big life changes might be, if you listen to some of the things that James and I talk about in this interview, if you head on over to that video series at coachellen.com growth, damn, are you setting yourself up for success, my friend. So with that, let's head into today's interview with James Burroughs. Ellen here, and you're listening to The Growth Tribe. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Growth Tribe podcast. I am so excited today to have James Burroughs on the podcast, and we're going to be talking probably all sorts of things, personal growth, but I'm really, really excited to talk to you about how you've kind of use personal growth intentionally to navigate some life changes and some career changes. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, so to get started, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you're coming from? Absolutely. Um, so uh, originally, I'm a science grad, um, and I know we had some conversation a little bit a while ago about um, the joys of science and, and how <laughs> Slightly geeky and nerdy, mm-hmm. um, but we love it. We love what we do. Uh, then I spent uh, a year in officer training at Sandhurst, which is the British equivalent of West Point, um, oh, wow. and ended up jaunting around various parts of the Middle East for a few years, um, and was lucky enough to have done some um, some pretty interesting jobs during that time. Mm-hmm. All with a sort of focus on leadership and being a better leader and developing yourself and, and obviously your soldiers um, while I was going through that journey. Mm-hmm. Then uh, traveled the world for a year, predominantly Southeast Asia, Indonesia, and ended up in New Zealand, um, where I started a more sort of corporate-focused career um, in learning and development, which then sort of transitioned into organizational development and um, culture engagement, talent recruitment, um, and so all these kind of pieces started to fit together in my head um, around how you know I guess there is a journey and everybody goes on both a career journey and a life journey and an emotional journey and all these things require development. Um, and then at some point, uh, a couple of years 
back, decided it was time to uh, to step out of the corporate world, so positioned myself for that, and have um, for the last year or so been working as an independent consultant and coach, um, developing my own specific type of coaching material based around performance, which is where I'm mm-hmm. at now. Nice, nice, okay. So, like, it's nice to see though that 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 is you have a kind of very seamless. But at the same time, like there's definitely some transitions there. So how did you ultimately navigate, you know, when is the quote unquote right time to make these different transitions in your life? Because I feel like that's something some people struggle with, like holding on to the one career for maybe too long before Mm -hmm. ultimately moving to the next one. So how did you navigate some of those career transitions? Um, That's a really good question. Um, I think if if I think of myself now as James um, 3.0, uh, on, on my, my third third career move, mm-hmm. then uh, the, the the move from army officer to to corporate career was simply based around um, I felt like it had a lot of fun and enjoyment in where I was currently at, but mm-hmm. the the path in front of me wasn't quite so exciting and mm-hmm. wasn't um, I guess as interesting to me as the opportunity I'd seen by being exposed to new environments. And I guess you know somebody who's thinking about developing themselves constantly, learning constantly. It's around looking for opportunities to broaden your horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what are those projects? What are those other things you could get interested in or get involved in mm-hmm. that are going to help you kind of get a little bit of exposure to the new life? And that's what I did when I was in the military. So I started doing project management qualifications and um, getting involved in cross-functional projects that exposed me to bits outside my part of, of the military. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, gave me then the confidence to take that step because of the most about kind of laying throwing those stepping stones out in front of you before you need to make the move so you're not diving into deep water and there's yeah. nothing to catch you. Um, so that was, I guess, the, the, the first move. And then the move into from corporate into, I guess, freelancer or consultant mm-hmm. um, was driven by a desire for a lifestyle change. Um, I was doing you know very long hours in a high-pressure job with a large team of people and um, there was not much time for joy and fun and happiness and gratitude and all these mm-hmm. kind of cool things that you know, we as coaches talk about. And so it was, well, how do I create this life? How, what do I need to do to get away from the rat race? Um, again, throwing those stepping stones out in front of me to be able to step onto safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent about two years setting it up with a, a concerted effort to build a side business over a six-month period before I left New Zealand mm-hmm. um, and then stepping into to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. I love that analogy of throw the stepping stones out into the water because I feel like so many people, particularly when we talk about, you know, going into freelancing, like that's what I'm doing right now. I'm self-employed right now as well. Like people think that you're just like diving off into the deep end and like you're this crazy risk taker taker. And usually that's not the case. Usually you are, you know, you have some footing there that you're stepping onto. So I love that mm-hmm. as an analogy for kind of making some pivot. I also love that it's really about Kind of like it's a values thing. You know, you you valued growing and transforming yourself. And so you made these pivots that may have been uncomfortable, but they stretched you and they allowed you to grow and they allowed you to broaden your horizon. And at the same time, you valued these certain aspects of your lifestyle. So you made these Absolutely. that would give you that as your lifestyle. And I think sometimes that's the important thing to navigate is do I value security and stability and, and familiarity and comfort or do I value these other things so I, I feel like that's probably a tricky a really tricky piece for people to, to navigate and ultimately figure out which value is a bigger 
more important piece of my life, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And they all say, you know, everything in, in simple business modeling works in the concept of threes, you know, the three-legged stool is mm-hmm. self-supporting and it's, it's as much as anybody can take on and there's all these mm-hmm. concepts around, you know, stick with threes. And so I really recommend when I'm working with coaching clients, um, choose three things that you're going to work on, choose three priorities that you want to um, work on right now. Same thing. <laughs> goals that you want to achieve this year. You know, it's all about threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say when you're considering you know, your personal growth, it's it's choosing three things that you think are important to be good at or to mm-hmm. be known for and not worrying about all the rest of the stuff. And so mm-hmm. when you're thinking about this transition, well, when you're transitioning to what and what are the three most important characteristics of that to what state that you want to be in, um, it's, it's good to know before you make this leap because absolutely you don't want to be, you know, we all carry baggage. And if I use that stepping stone analogy, if you don't have stepping stones and you've got lots of baggage, you're going to sink when you jump. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it, you know, divest yourself of much excess weight as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my analogies are water-based being a, a scuba diver. So that's why I, <laughs> I make most of my models around that concept. I love analogies though. I mean, we talk about being scientists and I found that the best way to communicate science was through analogies. So whenever somebody throws an analogy <laughs> out there like that, I'm like, perfect. You know, that's, that's the easiest way for us to like really, really wrap our brains around what we're talking about here. 100%. <laughs> How do you ultimately help out clients who, you know, maybe they, they have, they've looked at their values. They have these, you know, rule of three things that they're going to go for. But I feel like sometimes in our lives we have values or we have priorities that are competing so how what advice would you give to somebody who's kind of dealing with that yeah and, and i guess um it, it depends on context obviously <laughs> yeah for um, sure <laughs> and, 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 if, and you think about the multitude of factors for people who are taking a personal development track what a what's causing to get there um, mm-hmm. b what's their current state and mm-hmm. c what's their capability of getting to where they want to get to mm-hmm. um you know if we all if, if we're you know uh uh a family with four children, um, not much free time, not much disposable income, but we decide we want to get a Sports Illustrated bikini model body, um, or we want to be, um, you know, a Sports Illustrated underwear model. Um, you know, is that a realistic goal for you to get to? Are you capable of getting there from where you are now, and do you have the capability to do that with your current lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Um, and so, a lot of the time when we're doing goal setting um, in performance coaching, it's first of all, where do you want to get to, and why? And then it's, and, and what's your current state? Like, where are you right now? What's getting in the way of getting you to where you want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, because most of performance coaching isn't desire. Um, it isn't drive because people have these great intentions of losing 50 pounds or mm-hmm. um, you know, climbing Everest or whatever it is they want to do. But there's all the other things that they do in their lives that get in the way. It's all, it's like this giant game of pickup sticks in front of them, this sort of chaotic web of stuff that's going on. Um, that they that gets in the way of what they actually want to achieve to performance. So a lot of the job is identifying those things and taking them out of the way so they can just have this clear run at the performance goals. Mm-hmm. I love that you, I mean, this is interesting that you brought up the piece about setting, make sure it's realistic, because this is something that I feel like in my head sometimes I'm fighting with myself on the whole notion of set a realistic goal. Because I totally get it from the perspective of, you don't want to set something that, you know, over the course of a timeline is completely unreasonable or based the resources you have is completely unreasonable. But the outlandish and audacious goals are also a lot more exciting than 
the quote unquote realistic goals. So what it, cause I constantly find myself fighting with that. Like I want to set a big audacious goal. I want to, you know, I don't want to just write a book. I want that book to be like a freaking like New York times bestseller and be on the list for like however many weeks. So how, how would you have somebody balance that? Like the realistic with the exciting, bold, audacious goal? Yeah, I think it, I think you know you've hit a really key point here. Is we should never um, they call it, in the military they call it sandbagging, but you should never set yourself like a soft goal. Um, yeah, that's no fun. I'm going to walk down the street today. Well, unless, <laughs> unless you're a person who for whom walking is a significant stretch, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're an everyday person who's who's physically able, walking down the street is not a big goal. Walking ten miles is a big goal, perhaps. Um, so I guess it's it's always that sort of you know, where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's mm. stopping you being there? Um, the Japanese use a really really nice analogy around felling enormous trees, um, and they said that the easiest way to fell an enormous tree is not to cut the trunk; it's to cut the roots for 100 meters around that tree. And basically, what they're saying is that you know to, to get this enormous goal, which is chopping down this vast tree, actually it's much easier to take lots of little bites out of it all the way around, and it'll just fall over on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess that really is the thing that inspires is, is performance coaching. It's, it's all about taking barriers out of the way, not trying to necessarily focus on the specifics of the big goal because the person is going to do that themselves. They want it. There's the thing they've aspired to. It's mm-hmm. all that other clutter that gets in the way. There's the, the performance inhibitor. Mm-hmm. I feel like so that's so much of what I do with myself and with my clients as well is getting to the crux of what are the behaviors that are keeping you from getting your goal. I feel like we've taken a weird transition from like career transitions to goal setting, but whatever, let's roll with it. Um, <laughs> but like that's, that's so much of what we do. Like I think it is, uh, I, I refer to Brenda Burchard a lot because I did a, a long course of Brenda Burchard training and coaching, which maybe is what you're talking about when you say performance coaching. That would be really ironic if it is. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, he did like this whole high performance coaching and he says so much about like you like and so many other personal development people say like you are the things that you do every single day. And if the things that you do and the behaviors that you're engaging in are undermining the things that you quote unquote say you want, those are the things that you need to, those are the roots that you need to start cutting to ultimately get the thing that you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, And yes, you know, the, that whole kind of iceberg model of the stuff you see versus what's really going on, um, yeah. the behaviors and actions being the, 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 the demonstrative um, perception of who and what you are. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the models are, are universal and work in so many different mm-hmm. contexts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, I had an idea of taking a weird pivot back to where we started, but so we're talking about goal setting. We're talking about some of the behaviors that get in the way of you ultimately getting the thing you want. When you were making some of these transitions, what were some of the biggest things and biggest struggles that came up for you that you ultimately had to overcome? Yeah, good question. Um, and I can probably split them into two is the sort of the, the tangible and the emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like most people, um, I was in a relationship. I had a mortgage. I had a dog. I had all these possessions. Um, I had this you know, fancy job and a nice job title. I had a, you know, I guess my, my network of friends and, and family who were, um, surrounding me in, in New Zealand and so letting go of all these tangible things was an enormous challenge to transition to a, a more remote lifestyle like mm-hmm. what we're leading now um, and, and deciding you know, consciously to, um, you know, to divest myself of these traditional pieces of societal kind of norms mm-hmm. um, that was a conscious choice and it was really hard but it was around one of the three most important things to me um, mm-hmm. it's not 
my possessions. It's not, you know, it's not those things. Actually, the most important things to me are travel and seeing the world and exploring on personal growth. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I had to, I had to let go of some. I had to compromise on something to to achieve the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the non um, sort of financial emotional pieces for me were around things like status, um, importance, um, the. Uh, you know, when people say, what do you do? Oh, well, um, for the first six months of the year, oh, I'm, I'm traveling. I'm an ex so-and-so. Um, yeah. It was that whole kind of almost shame of, you know, I used to be important, but I'm not anymore. Um, and, Keep going. going Sorry, so, I've, I can relate to this so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and I guess battling the, the demons in my own mind of people's perception of, oh, he must have had a midlife crisis or he must have burned out or whatever it was. Not that actually I was making this really conscious, proactive choice towards doing a different lifestyle. And I think now, you know, down the track with hindsight, um, it was it was terrifying. Um, I was and I, I guess I consciously spent time managing my own emotional state um, by doing the things that calm and, and center me to get through those moments of anxiety. Um, but no, I'm still, you know, every, I think every, I think I'm, I'm, I'll ask the question of you, I think every freelancer um, and person who sort of steps out of the traditional has this moment of panic of what am I doing and what will people think? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult one to, um, to navigate emotionally, but it's one that if you go, the, the, the rewards outweigh the, the, the hardship, certainly. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I literally was like, I wish you guys could see the video because I'm nodding like a bobblehead right now. Um, because like, yeah, that's exactly what I experienced. I mean, you have that science background. I was in my PhD program when I ultimately decided to make my career pivot and to leave that and the inherent respect of getting your PhD and being a scientist, like the reaction I got from people when I told them what I was doing with my life, it was like there was inherent you're intelligent and you're respectful and pivoting to something that's a lot less understood mm-hmm. and a lot less conventional. It was really, really difficult for me. And I definitely had problems. I mean, this definitely wasn't the vast majority of the my relationships, but I definitely had a lot of insecurity in some of my relationships, telling them some of the, the choices that I was making. Like, are you going to judge me? Or are you going to lose respect for me? Um, and I admittedly lost some friendships. It wasn't many, but I did because of some of these decisions that I made because they just couldn't understand. Like, did you, did you experience that? Like kind of, that kind of rockiness in some of your relationships? Um, certainly professionally, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. you got that sort of, you got the, oh, I'm, I'm about to, I'm leaving this lifestyle. I'm off to go and travel the world and do remote Mm -hmm. stuff. And people go, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> 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 this, oh, well, that's the end of his career then. You know that would kind of um, look, um, and and the same in, in personal relationships. You know, people who you suddenly realise hang out with you because because um, you're good fun to be around, or because you know you 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 add some value to their life, and you say, well, I'm disappearing out of your life for X amount of time. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be away, and there's, and and you just don't hear from them again on on social media, or you know mm-hmm. you don't get those occasional texts. Hey, do you want to hang out? You know all those little things that stop. Mm-hmm. Um, the best advice I got um, when I was going through this this kind of thinking process was um, just this really sort of cheesy old line that um, I guess has been sort of a grandma's analogy or whatever it would be. And the people who matter don't care, and the people who care don't matter. Um, and that was the thing that really got me through this change was actually the people who who matter to me are happy for me whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm doing it in the world, mm-hmm. um, whatever choices I've made, you know, they're the ones that are really important to stay close and keep those relationships with. 
and all the people that worry about what the things you're doing or judge you or negative or negatively biased to the choices you're making well then they're not the people you need to be around anyway um, yeah. so all you're doing is polarizing more effectively um, and filtering the wrong people out of your life yeah, I actually would 100% agree with that. And I definitely wouldn't, you know, tell somebody, oh, go make this drastic life change to see who's really in your life for the right reason. Like, <laughs> that's really, it's, it's odd, like looking back at it, as you said that, that that's exactly what it's become for me. It's become this insane filter of the relationships that really matter. And the relationships that, you know, it's not necessarily that they don't matter anymore, but they're definitely deprioritized, which I don't know, that almost sounds bad too, but that's, that's accurate. They're deprioritized, like, because they're ultimately not the people who are showing up for you, despite the fact that you're halfway around the world, you know, there, there's those people, those certain relationships still show up for you, still support you, even if they don't get it, they're, they're there anyway. I feel like yeah, it's kind right. of a crazy benefit of making some of these transitions of seeing who's going to be with you the entire ride and who are you going to pick up along the way that's going to stay with you till the end. That and at hundred percent. So you're making space for the new people in your life that they're going to be part of this new life that you're living, which is mm. super exciting. Um, the, uh, the, the old concept of you are the average of the people you spend, the five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're going to be spending time with new people and you're going to be, your average is going to be moving mm-hmm. um, towards the new in the direction of personal growth or achievement or whatever it is that you're looking for at this point. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is part of the insecurity that people have around making these transitions is, I mean, bottom line, we are social creatures. Connection is really, really important. And, and having those solid connections to those people who support you is a big part of life. And I feel like that's a big reason why a lot of people don't make some of these transitions is, yeah, cool, there's some stability or instability and some maybe material things that you're going to leave behind, but what's going to happen to your relationships? And I almost feel like, I mean, I hope that people who are listening to this can find it reassuring that this can actually be beneficial to your relationships. It can strengthen your relationships and can ultimately filter out who are the relationships that you need to leave in your past and who are the relationships that are going to benefit you moving forward. It's kind of, it's the positive spin on it. And I almost feel like it's the, it's something to reassure you that, yeah, this might happen, but that's not necessarily a bad thing that some of these relationships are going to reprioritize and shift. No, I, I, exactly. Um, I, I don't think I could say that any better, to be honest. You, you're gonna, yeah. Some people are gonna fall away. Some new people are gonna come on board, and wherever you end up is inevitably gonna be a different and most likely a better place than you're in now, mm-hmm. just by the fact that you're focusing on your own growth um, mm-hmm. and whatever that direction of travel of growth that you identify and go for is. It's gonna be a cool thing. Mm-hmm. So as you were going along your own journey, your own, some of these transitions that you were navigating, were there any certain like resources, big lessons that popped up along the way for you that you think would be beneficial to the people who are listening to this? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> I know, loaded questions. I'm a fan of loaded questions. <laughs> um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, uh, the biggest resource that I had was looking around a group of mentors um, or the people I respected um, Mm -hmm. and identifying what it was about those people that I respected and then what they did that made me respect them. Um, So I can give you a couple of examples. 
Um, so I've been working with a really amazing coach, um, Harold Hillman, who uh, is author of, also an author of The Imposter Syndrome, which is a really great book, if anybody hasn't read that book. Um, I, I need recommend. to read that book. That comes up for me all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, and so he talks all about you know, how he spent X number of years battling the imposter syndrome. Um, and it, at that moment in life, all I had was imposter syndrome. You know, I, I was going to get caught out as, as, you know, in this senior role in this business um, as not being capable. Um, or I was going to be found out for not being a very good coach, or I was going to be, you know, pitching myself as a consultant and people would just laugh at me because of the fees I was charging. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and he had all these things. So um, I would say, you know, you know work out um, the the mentors, the type of people who who do these um, skills or that you want to emulate, and work out what it is that they are and what they do. And so for Harold, it was battling the imposter syndrome, it was facing it head on and dealing with those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another really good friend. Um, Carl Sanders Edwards, who runs this amazing leadership business called Adeption, um, and for him, he's the most widely read person I know. He's read pretty much every book on leadership and personal development there is to read. Um, and so I thought, well, hold on. I, the one, one of the reasons I really respect Carl is because he always seems to have this kind of model or this analogy or this story or this book that he can quote from that has information, so I should read more. Um, and so I signed up for Blinkist and, and did the Blinkist thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and there's a multitude of these, but it was all around you know, what are these, what are the things that they do that make them respectful um, and that has sort of helped develop them? And how can I do those things? So mm-hmm. I've got a few of those things that I do and I exercise regularly. I, re- I try and read at least a book a day on Blinkist. Um, I try and battle my imposter syndrome head on by doing video podcasts myself. You know, all these things that you get, get outside your comfort zone, you know, mm-hmm. um, put yourself out there. It, it's, it's all these things that you have to do um, that hopefully are the, the stretch moments. And, and we only grow when we're being stretched out a little bit and then we're allowed to get back to comfort. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that it's very it's 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 action oriented, because I think that so much of the, the almost the problem with like fake it till you make it is like that's it's so intangible like what does it mean to fake it till you make it in terms of like these people these mentors that you have you're instead of looking at you know how do i you know behave like them in term in like an intangible sense it's looking you're looking at the action that they're taking the things that they're sitting down and doing in their day to mm-hmm. make their lives better and emulating that in your own life it's like the the actionable version of fake it till you make it, which I like. <laughs> I mean, and that's the premise of performance coaching: is do something, just do something. Yeah. Um, and it's the, the thing the military teaches you. <clears throat> excuse me, it's the thing the military teaches you. you know, when the bullets start flying, there's no time to stop and think and worry about stuff. Just do something. Mm-hmm. Um, lead your men. Lead yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, go and just just take action. Move forward. Close the distance between you and the enemy because it gives them less time to think. It puts and it gives you momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the same thing happens in in the world of personal development. If you sit and think about personal development, all the things you could do, well, that's good. But then just doing one of those things will move you down the track. And Mark Manson has this there's an inspiration action cycle. Um, and so having just done something in a personal development sense moves you into a new state of personal development and then you go, oh, I've achieved something and I feel good about that. I should do something mm-hmm. else. Um, and it start, c- creates that cycle of activity and that's, and that's mm-hmm. what we kind of focus on. I love that. Yeah. Like I always say, my, I love it when I do these podcasts because I feel like if my clients are listening to it, they're just laughing because there's these things that I say all the time and one of them is <laughs> momentum is the secret sauce. Like 
you need to take action and that action, completing that action and doing that thing is going to inherently be motivating you to take the next action. Like when you make that, that tangible progress and you're taking those tangible actions, that's so motivating. And we get that ball rolling. And once the ball's rolling, it's so much easier to keep the growth going, the whatever behavior you're engaging in going, but you have to take action. I feel like that's the piece that so many people get stuck in when they're struggling, whether it's a career transition or a life transition or whatever, is they don't let themselves choose. They don't let themselves just start going down a path. You know, they just stay stuck at the fork in the road because, oh my gosh, I have options and this could lead this way and this could lead that way. What do I do? And they get so bogged down in the what do I do they don't do mm -hmm. there's a there's another secret you can use in that sense as well um you, you talked about the fork in the road and we use i use the road network a lot mm -hmm. as the sort of analogy for the neural past the pathways and neuroplasticity mm -hmm. um, and often you know when we're struggling to do something new and uncomfortable which is the personal development piece and it's uncomfortable to ask people questions about yourself and it's uncomfortable to be mm -hmm. honest and vulnerable um, you can create that sort of slip road effect by doing something that is um, more comfortable for you to allow you to almost segue or slip road and then onto, um, onto the freeway that it is the personal development freeway that you need mm -hmm. to jump onto. Um, and I recommend that people do that as well. You know? So if you're you know, having to have a really tough conversation as a personal development thing or if you're having to uh, challenge a relationship, start with something that's a little bit easier for you and, and transition into it. Um, the segue point is much easier than starting cold. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot. Could you give Could you give an example of something that maybe you've seen that you've done to kind of get yourself in a point where you're you're familiar before pivoting into the thing that's uncomfortable? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably uh, the the resignation conversation from uh, from my previous workplace um, mm -hmm. had been there for two years, intended to be there for five years. Um, had started the, the the path of some significant initiatives in the business, and then to go to my boss and say, by the way. Um, I'm leaving um, and I'm off to travel the world uh, and I was terrified about doing that and, and um, the, the judgmental looks I was going to get and uh, he's clearly having a crisis all those pieces we spoke about before mm -hmm. I'm terrified about those and so for me um, the, the, the way I collect my thoughts and the way I know I'm good at doing things is to go for a run so I went for a run before um, I had that conversation that allowed me to achieve something I achieved my run for the day um, mm -hmm. it gave me the thinking time um, to put mm -hmm. the conversation together and to kind of plan how I was going to react to her reactions. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went into the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew I was at my best at a high point hitting on a, an achievement. Um, uh, I guess I, I had this achievement. I was therefore able to move into the next achievement with more momentum than just from a standing start. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that even reminded me, this is kind of a really backwards example, and I don't know if it's what you're getting at, but like, I was reminding me of my own conversation with my own mentor when I decided to leave my graduate program. And it wasn't necessarily a go for the run or for a run kind of familiar action, but I kind of unconsciously, I realized as you were saying this, started our conversations, our conversation that day around something that we had a lot of rapport about. I grew up playing soccer. Her kids played soccer. That was our thing was Monday morning, we would sit down and like talk soccer. And so that's how that conversation started. And I felt comfortable by the time I ultimately had to pivot into the really, really difficult conversation. And also along the lines of mentors and emulating the things you like about your mentors. And I think people oftentimes 
I wanted to tell this story just because I felt like it was relevant. I feel like people oftentimes think their mentor is going to automatically judge them for the decision they're making if they're, if they are making some sort of career transition. And I was terrified of that when I told my, my mentor, I'm like, I'm not only leaving graduate school, I'm changing careers. Like, I don't want this. I don't want what you do. And I didn't want to disappoint her. And I didn't want um, her to feel like I didn't respect her because I was no, no longer wanting to do that with my life. And I remember when one of the biggest things she said to me, which made me feel so supported, was she said, I think you're really brave for the decision you're making. And it wasn't like a condescending, I think you're really brave. It was and I'm impressed that you have enough personal, you know, understanding and self-awareness to realize that this isn't the right avenue for you. And I feel like people don't, I definitely didn't think that this was the kind of reaction I was going to get. And that like, you could get that kind of reaction. You could get that kind of support from your mentor. And I just want to throw that in there because I feel like that's not something people think about when they're having some of these tough conversations. So. That was my yeah, random tangent moment of the day. No, I think it's and what a great what a great story to mm-hmm. to indicate that you it took you some time to build up the courage to face actually the probably the most crucial decision that you could make that many mm-hmm. people will sit for twenty years and not make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's uh, it, it's really interesting just hearing you say some of that stuff really made me think about some of the conversations I've had with clients over the last six or seven months around what are the most important things to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, what are the things that are getting in the way of that? And one of them was, well, I'm just too scared to have the conversation. I'm too scared to face this decision. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to face it. I'm just going to live my vanilla life um, on the societal rat race. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, the, the hamster wheel that we all go on from 18 to 65. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll just, there'll be what ifs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm, and, and that's often the case that gets in the way of a lot of people's personal development is they're just too scared mm-hmm. to know where to start. Um, they, they, they haven't got, they haven't read the five second rule of just mm-hmm. <laughs> count to five and go. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's, it, and it's, it's so hard. And, and so often I say, you know, is, well, is, is keeping your boss happy and, you know, worrying about what your workmates are going to think, are they, are they more important to you than seeing the Taj Mahal or are they more important to you than climbing Everest or whatever it is that you've decided you wanted to do? which one's more important okay well, so why are you hanging on to that other thing that's not important mm-hmm. you know, worrying about what your boss is going to think that's going to last five minutes regretting not having climbed everest that's going to last a lifetime mm-hmm. so clearly that's more important so go do that thing and don't worry about the other thing mm-hmm. yeah it's like all of this stuff is like all of these little cliche things but they're so true it's like is the pain of staying the same greater or less than the pain of changing and i feel like when you hit that point when the pain of staying the same is more painful than changing, that's when you can ultimately make that switch. And sometimes it does take a long time. Like I ridiculously was, the first year of my graduate program, I knew I wasn't in the right place. It took me almost three more years to leave. It was a seven year graduate program, which for (laughs) all of those people who are listening saying, why didn't you just finish? It was a really long program and no. Um, (laughs) But like you had to, I had to make that switch in my brain that ultimately it was more painful for me to be unhappy and see all of these things that I was missing out on in terms of, you know, just the things that I could do with my life and the things that I could offer to the world outside of this little lab box. And that's when the switch had to happen for me. And sometimes that's what it takes for the switch to happen for, for, for you and for all the people who are listening, you know, but you have to push yourself. You have to continue to push yourself into that growth zone or you're never going to get to the point where you're going to make that switch. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I, I call it challenge the vanilla. You know, mm-hmm. stop being normal and be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's your extraordinary? You know, what's the thing that you? What's the magic that you bring? Mm-hmm. Um, and then step outside the vanilla because everybody everybody lives in this vanilla grey world, mm-hmm. uh, except those people who don't. And mm-hmm. so be a person who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Amen. So you talked a little bit about the work you do with clients. What are some of the services that you offer? You get to do a shameless plug for yourself. I was going to say, this is an utterly shameless plug. <laughs> my, my business works in, in two pieces. Uh, one is, is general uh, business consulting. So um, I've got an MBA, um, and I, so I like using that both um, as an internal business mm-hmm. um, stakeholder. So I spent time as a GM and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've taken all of that knowledge, and I've now wrapped that up into sort of a, a hybrid, um, high-performance uh, assessment and consulting service. Um, so I've got a variety of clients who I'm doing um, you know, sales planning strategy for social media strategies. Recruitment is a big, uh, seemingly quite a big area of, mm-hmm. of work. So working on recruitment strategies and processes and um, operating models. Um, and then the other half of the business, which is probably more relevant to this, is is, is around performance coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work in um, 90 day windows, um, like a sort of career acceleration or a life acceleration towards mm-hmm. high performance. Um, in a series of three sets. Sorry, I'm getting attacked by a fly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just like, no, 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 stop. <laughs> no, I'm just getting, it keeps landing on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, each each um, client works in 90-day sprints. Um, we can do up to three sprints a year, but we take three things and we work on them through sets. Each set yeah. is um, two sessions, A and B. Session A is all around insight and barrier identification. So... I want to lose Love 50 that. pounds, right? What, what are the things we need to do to, to achieve that? What have you done so far? What is insight generation? And then, and then what's getting in the way? Um, and then normally seven to 10 days later, the second session in each set is around activity and accountability. Mm-hmm. So what's your action plan for getting there? How are you going to achieve that? And then challenging them um, to, I guess, uh, war game out that scenario with other things that might come up and have you thought about this and what do we do in this situation and creating a really robust activity plan. Mm-hmm. And then them going away and doing it. And we do three mm-hmm. times over 90 days to achieve three things. Um, and then normally people come back for a subsequent 90 days and so on and so on and so mm-hmm. on. Up to Love three that. times a year, which is great. Um, and, that, and we work in, um, I guess, a variety of tools. So um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of neuro leadership stuff in there. Um, I use psychometric tools. Um, I use 360 surveys. So whatever is the appropriate, um, I guess, tool to grab out the toolbox for that person's performance acceleration is mm-hmm. what we use. Nice, nice. I love how action oriented that is. Like I am people people in my remote year community make fun of me a little bit because I am like so type A and so action oriented, but ultimately that's the shit that gets you results. So hundred percent. Yeah. I mean most of the people that come to me are people who've been working with life coaches forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I have nothing against life coaches. People absolutely mm-hmm. need them. Um, but oftentimes they've been sat on a couch talking about their childhood for the last five years mm-hmm. um, and they're still no closer to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. So um, performance coaching is absolutely not that. It's not therapy. Um, mm-hmm. It's around make. It's around accelerating mm-hmm. you from where you are to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I identify as a life coach and that's not what I do at all. So maybe maybe I'm I'm reusing the wrong identifier. That's interesting. All right. Uh, so then I have two questions that I like to wrap up with. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, um, and you gave some resources earlier. But I love to ask. What is a resource that has really like a book, 
a TED Talk, an online program? Okay, um, great question. Um, so the, the, definitely the one book um, was The Subtle Art of Not Giving It. Um, I'm reading that right now. <laughs> um, that book, uh, it sounds terrible, but that book it literally changed my life um, mm-hmm. and, and just the entire outlook I have. Uh, and the, I guess the subsequent reading from, from Mark, I read his blog, I, I read his other book, Angels, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and the, yeah, he, so that he just connects with me. And I think you know, any, any person who's going on a personal development journey will, will connect with an author in that personal development space. For me, it just happened to be Mark. Um, so mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, I know a lot of people on the Tim Ferriss bandwagon as well. So he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably the, the book. And then um, Program or Easy Watch um, was actually a TED Talk by two guys called The Minimalists. Um, and they're just really down to earth, two guys who just decided to sell everything and travel the world with one bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the combination of reading the subtle art and watching the minimalist TED talk um, mm-hmm. was was enough to to give me the courage that a this was possible mm-hmm. um, and and b other people were doing it and therefore I could probably do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're the two resources that I absolutely I go back to and I love. Love it, love it. All right, and then last question is: Where can people find you if they want to learn more from you, follow your journey, etc.? Oh, great. Thank you. Um, so I have a Facebook page, um, Jafor, Traverse Performance Coaching and Consulting, um, and um, also on LinkedIn. Um, my web page is currently in maintenance, um, but should be live in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we're just doing a bit of a revamp on it, um, mm-hmm. but it's um, traverseconsult.com. Um, but that, that, and that'll be up to say in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for all of your insights and your stories and all of the tools you gave today. And I'm probably going to head over to your website when it's live in a couple weeks to get more of your, your truth bombs. So I really, I really appreciate you hopping on here. No worries at all. And if anybody's interested in, in what I'm doing, they say jump on social media and follow me. And I have a, I try and do a blog or a video post at least once a week where people can um, try and see some of the journey that I'm going on and identify a piece of that that works for them too. Awesome. Perfect. Yes. Go check him out. I'm definitely going to right after this. Magic. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please share it with your friends so that they can join the tribe as well. Or better yet, share it on Instagram stories so that I can shout you out and send you a huge thank you. Your support means the world to me. And of course, I want to thank you for being a part of the growth tribe.